When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast. Today, we're going to discuss a little bit about Auburn football once again. We're going to talk about the Auburn football Brian Harson situation. Uh, he is back as still the football coach. I guess he was never gone, but they're committed apparently uh, for him to be the football coach. So that whole saga you know, is over, but is it really over who won and lost in this situation? Uh, what's the future going to hold for them next year in that situation? And then I've briefly going to talk about, will the NAI, NIL hurt college football in any way? We've talked about uh, 
Jimbo Fisher talking about. We've talked about, you know, players making money from something. You know, how are colleges going to handle this? Has the NCAA going to handle this? You know, the whole pay player thing. We're going to discuss that today on the Coach Steve Show podcast. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. Please hit the like button and the subscribe button. Uh, it just helps out the algorithm, which, again, I don't understand. Um, leave a comment in the comment section down below. And if you're listening to your podcast in audio form, thank you for listening. Um, wherever you're listening to it, because it can be found anywhere you listen to your podcast, make sure you follow it, rate it, be a friend, tell a friend, all that stuff. Check out the weekly episodes. Uh, follow the show on Facebook, the coach Steve show, and then make sure that you follow the Twitter at coach underscore Steve 72. That's where I post all the stuff about the podcast and everything else. Um, you could see what kind of guests I've had on, you know, it gets to talk to coaches all over the country, which is pretty cool. Um, different talks and everything of, from Chicago bears, Illini sports, everything else. So go do that for me. Um, the podcast is also brought to you by the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. If you go to bellyupsports.com, check out all the blogs, podcasts, media stuff out there. Something out there for everybody. Uh, again, that's bellyupsports.com. Check all that out. Uh, that's where the podcast can be found. And the podcast is also brought to you by Coach Stone Football. And it's back to the basics, books, and drills. Uh, if you go to coachstonefootball.com and click on back to the basics drill manuals, uh, there's plenty of books out there for you football coaches that are looking to find drills to get more simple. Uh, simpler, simply uh, to get better uh, from youth, high school, and college. Again, that's CoachStoneFootball.com. Check out all the stuff there. Thank you, Coach Stone, for sponsoring the podcast. So Brian Harson and the Auburn, we talked about it. I talked about if, the, if Gus should have stayed and everything, and then when you look more into what's going on with Brian Harson, yeah, things are not going well, um, but it was reported that – you know, they've been doing an investigation, talking about they're going to make the right decision. And so you, you wonder, what are they investigating? What are they even talking about? And, you know, how did we get here? And, well, it was reported that they're going to bring him back. Um, a quote saying, my most recent conversation with Coach Harson has me convinced as ever in his commitment to our student-athletes on and off the field. Success and his vision for our program, the president said in a statement, we are equally committed to providing him with the necessary means to achieve that goal. Uh, <laughs> so that that came out. Um, after a week of uh, speculation about Brian Harson's future at Auburn and an intentional inquiry into his handling of the football program, Harson remains the head football coach of the Tigers. On Friday, the school announced he'll return. Um, <laughs> so a lot has happened and how quickly – how quickly that has happened. So, you know, talk about how we got here. How did we get here? Well, it started off, you know, they went six and seven. They lost to Houston in the bowl game, but they had injuries. You know, uh, Bo Nix was hurt, uh, and they had a young offensive line. You know, the wide receiver play had been inconsistent. It's his first year. You know, uh, some people don't think this is an excuse, but you're dealing with players you didn't recruit. You have to now, when you become that, you – have to build that relationship and get them to play. But now it started off good. You know, you go six and two and then you start to lose. They had some injuries when you give up a lot of points. And then since, and then it kind of seemed like there was turmoil there. Um, the way they could, here's a flood. You know, they talk about 18 players leaving all. Um, coach, defense coordinator Derek Mason ste- steps down. He took a $400,000 pay cut to go to Oklahoma State. Um, two days before February 2nd on the signing date, um, he hired – in December, I believe it's December or January, he hired um, Austin Davis to be the new offensive coordinator after he hired um, Coach Bobo as his offensive coordinator. Well, then on February 2nd, before the signing day, 
he resigns. And as far as I know, there is no offense coordinator picked. Um, then they said that there was animosity been building behind the scenes, spilled out into the public, and multiple reports surfaced that Harrison's future was in doubt. Um, administrative officials, including Executive Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, Lieutenant uh, Jen Ron Burgess, um, conducted interviews with some of the people who left the program. Sources told ESPN at the root of the inquiry, sources said, was that the overall violating of the program and Harrison's treatment of players and assistant coaches. Lee Hunter, who transferred from Auburn to UCF this offseason to follow, I guess he went to go follow Gus, posted on Instagram that Coach Harson had been the true mindset for a winner, but has a terrible mindset as a person. And that the reason I chose to leave Auburn because when because we got treated like we wasn't good enough and like dogs, more than a dozen players from Auburn's 2021 roster liked the post. Some current players responded by defending Harson. Linebacker Chandler Wooten tweeted. We didn't need a best friend. We needed a coach. Harson's responsibility. Or Harson responded by telling ESPN, any attack on my character is bullshit. Um, who was on vacation when he said this. The right man for the, saying he's the right man for the job. He's not planning on going anywhere. Um, and then when he returned um, to Auburn on a Wednesday night and had what I described as a beginning meeting with the officials running the school's inquiry into the football program. The following morning, he showed up to a previously scheduled meeting of SEC football coaches in Birmingham, Alabama, where he went in the back door, remember? And then when he came out, they were going all over him, and he didn't say a word. While 12 of the 14 coaches came in through the front door, Harson, uh, here it is, entered via an unmarked side entrance. He also not answered any questions. In his own statement, Harrison said, or Harson, I keep saying Harrison. Harson said that this had been one of the hardest weeks of his career. It had nothing to do with his coaching ability. The personal attacks on him and his family went too far. And without justification, the resolve through this experience has been incredible, um, but also completely expected. Prominent alumni and boosters at Auburn were skeptical from the beginning that Harson coming from Boise State would be a good fit in the SEC, especially on the recruiting trail. They didn't question his coaching as much as they did his ability to win recruiting battles in the SEC footprint against the likes of Alabama, Nick Saban, and Georgia's Kirby Smart. When Auburn has been at its best, they've always been able to get its share of great players from the great state of Georgia. In the 2022 recruiting class, the Bulldogs signed six of the top 15 players in the state of Georgia, according to ESPN rankings, and the Tigers didn't sign any of the top 15 players. Additionally, Auburn signed just five players ranked among ESPN's top 300 prospects nationally. That's compared to Alabama signing 14 of the top 100 prospects and Georgia signing 10 of the top 100 prospects. It didn't help Harson any with his critics that he missed an event hosted by the Georgia Athletic Coaches Association in Macon, Georgia earlier this month. Um, state championship winning high school coaches were honored at the event, which was attended by South Carolina's Shane Beamer, Tennessee's Josh Heupel, Florida State's Mike Norvell, and Smart, among others. So... Like I said, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it a little bit again. So how we got here was they hired him from Boise State. And I'm on record saying that Gus is a better coach. But, you know, I, 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 and I've said they probably should have kept him. But let's talk about the coach first, and we'll talk about Auburn. I didn't know about the hire either coming from Boise State because you win at Boise State. And then you think you can go Auburn things. They could hire him because he's a winner. He won at Boise State. Now, Boise State is not Auburn. It's not the SEC. Again, Auburn people think that Auburn is Alabama. And rightfully, you know, it's a rival, so you want to be Alabama. I'm sorry, Auburn fans. 
with Alabama being in the same state, it's going to be hard to recruit guys from Alabama. It just is. But I also understand that you want a guy that's going to come in there and, and work extra hard. Now, this is Harson's first year. Now, according to this, it seemed like people didn't want that hire. You got boosters and alumni, whatever, that says, well, do we want to hire him? But you have to trust in your athletic directors to hire these people and interview and all that stuff. Go six and two, and then he ends up losing and goes in six and seven. Not a good start, but it's your first year. So the first year you're trying to build a culture, you're trying to get your guys in there. Now, I will say it doesn't look good when you have to fire offense coordinator the first year. You have your defense coordinator not get fired, but then steps down, takes a pay cut to go somewhere else. Now, that's either on because Brian Harson is in a toxic coaching environment, or did Derek Mason just say, I'm tired of coaching the SEC, we're going to go to the Big 12. Which, I don't know, he was the head coach of Vanderbilt for a while, maybe it just burned him out, he gets to Auburn, he's like, man, I'm tired of it. I don't think that because that's talking about a guy's competitiveness and fire in them. I, I don't believe that. But it does look a little fishy. And so maybe they do want to look at it and say, yeah, we got to look into this. And now the player thing, that's a little different. Um, Players nowadays might say these type of things. And again, as coaches, we have to adapt a little bit. And what I mean by adapt, and some people can argue with me on this, there's some players that can take a certain talking to or a certain, you know, we call ass chewing and some can't, you know. So now you can give them an ass chewing, but it depends on what type. It can't be you can't mother f them up and down, and you know all this stuff. And there's some where you can coach loudly to them, but say different things. But you're still coaching people the same. Now some players, if they're not happy with you, they're going to say what, say stuff like this. They're going to say this and that because then you have players defend him saying. Hey, he doesn't need to be our friend. He needs to be there for us, but he also needs to be a coach. There was also reports that players are saying he has a hard time building relationships. He's good at coaching, but he's not good at building relationships. And some of this may be hard to believe because of the success you have at Boise State. Now, did this just get brushed under because he was winning at Boise State? Winning cures a lot of issues. Like we saw, people think there's these big issues with Ed Ogeron. And when he's not winning, this is what happens when he gets fired. Those type of things. This is why some people think maybe there's stuff that Nick Saban does, but you never hear about it because he wins, which I don't believe. Um, People say that about all winning coaches. But then it doesn't help when you see people like Urban Meyer, what happened with him at Florida, especially at Jacksonville, and a little bit of Ohio State, but it gets brushed under because he's winning games. So... Is that what they're talking about with Boise State? I mean, I doubt it because Boise State, I mean, it's a good program, but it's not the SEC-type programs. It's not the Big Ten-type programs. So the player thing you have to take with a grain of salt. You know, oh, he coached this player way too hard. Maybe he got got on their ass way too hard, and they take it personal. And are these players playing? Do they start? Is that really why they're leaving? And that's the type of stuff you have to look at. Are there starters leaving? Now, they had 18 players. Are some of them starters? Did they get mad that they were losing? Uh, did Brian Harson overcoach and not, not make adjustments? It's first year. So in that aspect, it does look fishy. But how many times do you hear about, maybe this happens more often than we think, it just got leaked to the media, which again, things get leaked to the media and they immediately have to you know, report it 
and all and everything else. And it doesn't look good because one of them was Bo Nix that travels to Oregon. Uh, you know, he stayed, tried to give Coach Harson a chance. Maybe he doesn't like the offense. Maybe he, you know, and we're going to get to NAIL stuff here in a second. Maybe this all plays a part. So, yes, things aren't going that way, but at the same time, it's his first year. You have to let him try to build a program. Now, flip side of this, it looks like Auburn was just trying to make something up to get rid of him because it was already reported that some alumni and some of the boosters don't like him. And so because they don't like him and Auburn – you realize how they pay these coaches. They pay these coaches with donations and these boosters. I always go back to in Illinois when we had our budget thing in the state of Illinois. The U of I hired Lovey Smith, and they gave him a twenty-one million salary over five or six years. I can't remember. So you're paying him like two or three million a year, something like that. And I remember a lot of people in the state of Illinois threw their hands up and said, why are we paying him this much money when we're having school cuts, we're having this type of cuts in the, in the state budget and everything else? But you have to realize, and then you have to realize the U of I is not paying him from their education fund. There's a whole other fund that's athletics. Athletics pays that salary. Boosters giving them money saying, I'm going to give you a million dollars. But in this million dollars is only going to pay for the football program. I'm going to give you $2 million, but it's only going to the softball program. You see what I mean? Or it's just going to go straight to athletics. You do what you want. That's how they make their money. Now, athletic director is a little different. They probably get paid from the school. But when we talk about coaches, that's a part of how they can get paid. So you have to be really nice to alumni. You have to be really nice to boosters. You have to be really nice to fundraisers. Very nice. So, it's his first year. Now, there's also other reports out there that got mad because he wasn't doing traditional things, which I get and don't get. If there's something there that has been done since the dawn of the school, maybe you need to continue it. But some coaches can come in and start their own thing. So, if it's like, well, we usually go to this thing or that thing, you kind of have to play along. But then you build something or you have meetings and you say, well, let's do this this way or this way, you know, I don't, I'm not a high college coach, but there's those type of things that do happen. And so it's just basically you're making people mad. So it just looks like from the powers that be, we're coming on to the president of Auburn and the AD and say, we're not happy. He needs to go. But in these contracts, because college football coaches have the best agents and contracts ever because they get paid a lot of money and they get paid a lot of money to leave. It's a messed up system. It's a completely messed up system where you could pay a guy $21 million to leave because of how these contracts work. These agents have got to be the best ever. And then some of these presidents and ADs have to be some of the dumbest people that have PhDs. And then some of these guys hire hiring committees. to Like what I really like about the high school world is when you interview for a job, you mainly interview with the head coach. Because that's who you report to. Now, head coaches, depending on schools, I really like what the ones where if you're applying for that head coaching job that you interview with the athletic director. And then you'll talk to the principal because that's the main person. And then if it's a real, like, if it's a football job, you're going to talk to 
maybe the superintendent, you might talk to maybe the board, but you'll get a vibe about who's calling the shots. You know, I like it when it's just with the athletic director and maybe the principal because the principal is overhead. But I like with the athletic director because they're in charge of athletics. They, when you interview for those jobs, it's not, well, you're not going to talk to me, but you're going to go talk to the board and not talk to me. They make the decision. You're going to go talk to the booster. You find out very quickly who pulls strings and calls shots. What you don't like is when the powers that be are trying to tell you what to do. You have to trust the athletic director at making hires. So then it just seems like they come down to him and say, fire this guy. Well, you can't just fire him without paying him, right? If you fire him with cause, you don't have to pay him. And it just seemed, as this went on, because it came out into the light, they were trying to fire him without cause because here was the issue. Like, one of the titles is, why did Auburn keep him? Without cause to terminate Harson's contract, Auburn would have owed him $18.3 million remaining on his six-year deal, $9.15 million due within the next month, and the rest to be paid out quarterly payments starting July 15th over the following year. It would have been a lot to ask considering the massive buyout Auburn already entered in with Coach Gus Malzahn over a year ago. He was due $21,450,000. And that's to say nothing of his staff, which included offensive defense coordinators who made more than a million per year. So it seemed like, okay, they didn't want him to begin with. Okay. Then he went six and two, still looking pretty good. Then he goes six and seven. So now these boosters saying, hey, he won the right guy for the job. Get him out. So then it seemed like, did they force these players to say something? Or was this just icing on the cake for players to come out and say this stuff? What the players said, yeah, maybe a little concerning. So when these gets brought to your attention, you as an athletic director just observe and see what happens. Maybe talk to some of these coaches internally and say, you know, oh, like, maybe find out why they left or how they left. I don't know if you're supposed to ask that, but there's ways to find this out. So, yes, some of this is concerning on the Brian Harson end. But what seems to be concerning is the Auburn side of things. So, that's a big thing to talk about where it just looked like you're trying to find things to fire him for. So you're talking to these players saying, what else did he do? Did he hit you? Did he do this? Did he do that? Well, no, he just, this is who he is. We can't fire him for that. Oh, the, the draft or the, the draft, the, um, you know, the recruiting, like we weren't ranked as high as we know, but we can fire him for that. Right? Well, no, you can't fire him for that. With Gal giving way to new president Chris Robertson May, sources told ESPN that Gal wasn't in favor of making another head coaching change and having to pay another huge buyout, then having to hire another head coach at this juncture, especially when the new president would be in place for the next football season. And with the way the whole thing dragged on with Harson and his family being attacked on social media, the administration knew that Harson had almost become a sympathetic figure with fans most of whom were tired of the chaos and instability surrounding the program. And if you select and a select few money people calling all the shots. The SEC announced an annual distribution of roughly $54.6 million per school on Thursday, but paying multiple former coaches would have been a stretch. So it just, some things, yes, are concerning, but, I mean, 
people leave Nick Saban and do people say, do they hate it? Do they not hate it? So, I mean, I guess that's a little different because they're winning and Auburn, you know, going six and seven. Um, I mean, you could have said that about Lane Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin was a couple of years at Alabama, won a championship when he went to, uh, you know, FAU and he got paid a million dollars. He's getting paid more at Alabama. So where was those questions? You know, maybe Derek Mason just didn't like Auburn. Maybe, maybe because in the office, he could see the writing on the wall. Like, we don't know everything fully. Yes, it is concerning. Oh, he doesn't build a relationship with players. Oh, the way he talks to players, maybe. Oh, recruiting. Yeah, the recruiting thing sucks, but it's your first year. Now, if this continues for the next two years, you got to get rid of him. You're paying him the money anyway. And that's what I'm saying. This was his fourth year and this type of stuff was happening. You're getting these bad recruits. Yeah, get rid of him because you already paid him the money to coach the team. But what this really happens, the what Auburn alumni have done and the boosters and the president and athletic director and the board, what they have done is make Auburn look stupid. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We wouldn't have known a lot of the stuff about Brian Harson if it wasn't brought out to light, except for we're talking about 18 players leaving. But that transfer portal thing is out of control. So really, we would have not looked at it too much. The biggest one would have been Bo Nix leaving. That's a big concern. But maybe he just, again, we're, I'm going to get into the NIL, but you know, it's kind of like free agency where he felt like maybe the type of offense they're going to do at, at Oregon, if it's better, uh, and that's where it's going to go. So now they decide to keep him because, again, they say, well, he looks sympathetic. We get rid of him. We got to pay him. And then we got to justify paying that money. It was only his first year. You know, see what happens year two and everything else. But this has just caused turmoil into his life. It's going to cause turmoil to bring in assistant coaches there. And now another thing you've done is if you would have fired him, do you really think you would have found a head coach? Would a head coach have come this late? Would a head coach have said, man, I want to go be about that mess? No, they wouldn't want to touch that mess. I don't even think Nick Saban 10 years ago would have been like, I'm going to go there and touch that. Because what this shows is that you have – it's hard because boosters can sit there and say, we can make these decisions because we give you money. But then those are the wrong type of people you want to be associated with because it just needs to be, we're going to give you money. Hopefully the athletic director makes the right decision. But now what you've shown is, well, we're going to listen to these people that have no right, unless they're old football players, but these people don't know football. They don't know what athletic, how athletics work. We're going to trust those people. That's not how this works. You have to trust the school to hire the right people and those people to do their job. And after one year, you can't really sit there and say this, this, or that. It's not the right move. It's not going to have sustainability like Ohio State's and the Alabamas and now the Clemson's. Um, Oregon has had sustained success. Sustained success. You've seen USC kind of drop down, but they're trying to bring it up. LSU has had success. So these type of places that have sustained success is from top to bottom. Presidents, athletic directors, you know, they all trust each other to do their job. Chancellors, whatever the hell they are. And they just let them do their job. 
and they're on the same page. They work together. It's not this turmoil effect. Okay, you have to trust they're going to do their job. Now, year three or four, if this is still continuing, you have to maybe make a change, and that's fine. Nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that at all because you see it all the time. So now the next question is you keep Harson. Okay. So what's next? And I'm just going to keep reading the report, then I'll tell you. What does Harson need to do long term? There's a lot of fencing mending that needs to happen in the coming weeks and months, whether it's the locker room or the administration. He may have survived Auburn's inquiry into handling of the program, but that means little in the court of public opinion where questions will continue to be asked why 18 players and five coaches have left the past few months. Given all the turmoil, might more players enter the transfer portal? So some of it's going to come down to, is some of this true on Harson, but is this a reason to fire him? Well, no, it's not. So we'll see. Players have defended him and gone after him. So who do you believe? The ones that are left and said something or the ones that graduated and said good things or ones that are staying and said good things? You never know. It's difficult enough to recruit in the SEC where there are only rumors of internal problems. The fact that this has played out so publicly means Harson and his staff have an even steeper uphill battle ahead of them. Remember, lackluster recruiting was one of the main criticisms of Harson before he was put under the microscope um, during the past two weeks. Finishing at the bottom half of the SEC and recruiting rankings isn't good enough, and it's an area that he'll need to address. Speaking of the coaching staff, there's still work to be done on the front with the role of the offensive coordinator, evaluating wide receivers coach Eric Cusaw as a possibility a week ago, but Harson may feel pressure now to go with someone who has a deeper roots in the SEC. Whether the case the last week has revealed a staggering lack of alignment between the head coach, athletic department, and university. So when there's a big disconnect, you're not going to win games. Good things aren't going to happen. Now, that basketball team's doing well, but is this going to trickle down to them? He told ESPN last week that some changes need to be made if Auburn was going to get back in the championship level. But it was also expressed to him during talks leading up to the decision that um, he would be retained that he, too, needed to make some changes, in particular the way he communicates and relates to players. So him admitting something, does he think that maybe Boise State was different than this? Like, see, this is where it gets confused. Like, how are you talking to players? Are you trying to build a relationship with them? Are you talking to the players you have now as parents that you not have to do that Boise State? Because at Boise State, there was no other school to go to, so that's where they went here. You've got to convince them. You've got to talk to parents. So maybe that's it. Maybe he's got to learn. So maybe he wasn't the right hire to begin with, and maybe the administration's on to something. Maybe they should have went with a big name. But... It is all very concerning. So then they talk about what's in store next season. And um, I'm not going to read all that because I have my own problems. And maybe writing's on the wall that he could get fired next year. Because at the very bottom of this, given the schedule and the roster makeup, it's difficult to imagine a quick turnaround after going 6-7. and seven. If a sub-500 record was enough to throw Harrison's job in doubt this time, we could be right there at this time next year. The one thing that won't change much between now and then will be his buyout. Even if Harson were to be fired without cause following the 2022 season, Auburn would still owe him $15 million. So let's talk about their schedule real quick. So because of this, we got to see what type of players leave. Didn't have a great recruiting class. Disconnect between administration and the athletic department. And above, boosters, alumni, change of coaching staff. First game against Mercer. Now, they should just beat Mercer on principle. San Jose State. Now, they should beat them on principle, but I would not put out Jose, San Jose State making this a game. 
And then Penn State. They lost to Penn State last year. Penn State's a pretty good team. I could see them losing to Penn State. Missouri recruited well, and they're better. Do not be surprised if Missouri beats them. Then LSU. Now, Brian Kelly, I don't think, is going to do that great LSU. But LSU played a lot better at the end of the year and had those players. This could be a close one. Now, Auburn could win this one, but don't be shocked if LSU wins. Then it's Georgia. Georgia wins. Old Miss, Lane Kiffin's a better coach. It has the program better out place. Old Miss. Coach Pittman is a dude at Arkansas. Arkansas would win. Mississippi State whipped them last year, and Mike Leach is going to have that program better. Beats them. Texas A&M had the number one recruiting class. Beats Auburn. And then Western Kentucky, Auburn just went off principle. And then because of the turmoil, I know they played them close last year, but with everything going on, and they ended with Alabama, and they beat Alabama. So right now you've got an Alabama loss, Texas A&M loss, Mississippi State loss, Arkansas loss, Old Miss loss, Georgia loss. Right there's six. And then the runs that are kind of up in the air. LSU, Missouri, and Penn State. Maybe they beat Penn State, but I could see them losing to Missouri, so there's seven. LSU with new coaching staff and new offense and defense and everything else that they're going to have to learn. Battle, battle, battle. Let's just say they do win that one. Okay. And then they win the rest. Well, that's seven losses. So now you're looking at, you know, a six and six record. Again. Or now you're looking at five and seven record. He will probably be fired. He'll probably be fired during that stretch. I would not be shocked because of everything that happened. When they get to the Arkansas game or Mississippi State game and they lose, they fire him. And it's just a sad situation because they didn't give him an opportunity to try to do something. Um, they have this type of thing go on the first year. Stuff that could be fixed the second year. You know, I mean, so it's just a bad situation to see for a coach. But again, if some of the stuff you – I mean, again, is it worth firing? No, I mean, no, not necessarily. But he claims he's got to do differently with players and that, again – when you hire somebody from a school like Boise State, it's it's weird. Did he not have to, you know, I don't know. There has been reports that with this team at Auburn, he didn't talk to the current players' parents. He didn't talk to whatever. So it's 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 weird. And Auburn hurts the most from this. Harson's going to hurt, but he'll have money. I know the world ain't about money, but like at least the pressure of like bills and all that don't go on to him. But it's not it's just one year. I mean, one year, and he didn't abuse a player. He didn't cheat and everything else. It just, yeah, I mean, bad situation. I'll see him being fired next year after everything that happened. Um, it's, a, it's a sad thing. So uh, before we move on and talk about the NAIL, um, football coaches – uh, if I still have your ear, um, your big guys in the trenches, your offensive and defensive line, are they taking? They take a lot of blows, right? In practice, They're, that's the it's the best position in football. They're always hitting. They're always blocking and getting off blocks. Um, that's a lot of you know hits they're taking. I know they're the only with their head, but that's a lot of pressure on that helmet. It's a lot of hits. Well, there's a way to protect those shells or re- reduce the repetitive blows those guys are taking taking each and every week, and it's guardian caps. Um, it's going to reduce the impact by up to 33%, which is huge. Um, very easy. just goes over the helmet, and it's stylish. You can get colors to fit your helmet. Um, pretty cool. I like the camo ones. Um, and I know I'm here to save you money because it's all about saving money. It's all about, you know, I know in the fundraising money, you've got a budget. Well, I'm here to try to help you guys out. Um, it's worn by over five NFL teams and 200-plus colleges like Oklahoma, Penn State, Alabama, and Georgia. 
If you go to guardiansports.com slash guardian dash caps and use the code 15 off at checkout, it's going to save 15% off your order. That's huge. If you want to buy five of them, it's going to save you 50%. Um, and if you want to buy a few each and every year, it's good. You know, 15, just use the code 15 off and save 15%. That's saving you money. I'm here about to save you money. Um, so go do that for me. Um, I'd be greatly appreciated to help those big guys out in the trenches. Thank you, Guardian Caps, for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, so NAIL has become huge. It's become huge. And talking about Auburn, and, and then we talked before about Texas A&M, is this going to hurt college football? Now, the big question always was, should college football players get paid? And... The answer is yes and no. The answer is yes because you look at on TV, you see Alabama, you see Clemson, you see Oklahoma's, um, Texas A&M's, Texas, Florida's, where these coaches are making five to twelve million somewhere in their dollars a year. And the question always was, well, if they're making this money, what about these college athletes? Well, it said they're amateurs. Okay. So they can't make any money. Well, it's not really amateurism when this type of money's been thrown around, and you're and those players are making the coaches and the school money. And what people don't want to admit is those new computer labs are paid for by athletics, usually like that. That's why you look at these big time schools; they get nicer things because athletics can help pay for that. More views on TV. People travel there to buy a ticket. That gets that. That's what pays it. So when this Rutgers professor sued its own university because they wanted better things, well, I know Rutgers just beat Illinois in basketball, but overall, program is eh, get a better program. That's why Alabama's got nice things. Clemson's got nice things. Oklahoma's got nice things. Texas has got a lot of nice things. USC. So Oregon. Now, maybe not them because they got the Nike, you know, Phil Knight, but get a better program. And that's what people don't want to admit is that athletics pays a lot for this stuff, and they don't want to admit that. So that was always the big talk. Well, they get paid in their scholarship. But then it was, well, if they live in a dorm, they don't have money for food, and then they start to get stipend, kind of like a stipend where they get to pay bills and live in an apartment instead of a dorm and all that stuff. And so I always saw it where they should get paid, but then when you actually look deeper into it, it's how can this be consistent? Or you just give the school the opportunity to pay players. How do you pay players? Do they sign a contract? Um do you just say, okay, the scholarship is worth $150,000. Do you want the scholarship and the stipend for food and go to school? Or do you just want the stipend or the scholarship money so we'll give you $150,000 spread out over four years, but you have to be here those four years? Well, they didn't, that type of stuff they don't like because now people can't, kids can't leave. But then it's, well, now they're not going to school. So if they're not going to school, they can't play. So that's kind of out the window. So it just became, and there's way different ideas of how to pay players, but that was one of the big things. But when you actually dug deep into it, it would be very hard to have this be all over in NCAA because of, you know, even like Title IX. Because, yeah, football, you can sit there and say you can pay players. But what about basketball? Well, basketball has March Madness, so they can figure it out. Okay. But what about girls' basketball? Okay, women's basketball, excuse me. Do they get the same type of television stuff and money. No, and it's nothing against them. It's just you have to look at where the money is. What about softball? What about baseball? What about track? Uh, if you have a rugby, if you go swimming, you have to be able then to sit there and say, well, you got to pay all these athletes. So that's why the scholarship thing became so big was 
do we give them a scholarship plus the money the scholarship is worth? That's another thing that's put out there is, okay, scholarship worth $150,000. We'll also pay them $150,000 over four years. Well, now you're asking a university to pay $300,000. Now, some can afford that. But then when you really trickle down, there are smaller Division One programs that probably could not afford that. And then out of the side effect of that, you would have saw scholarships get cut. So instead of having so many of scholarships, they would say, well, the normal money we take for these scholarships, now we got to cut these positions for players to send to pay the double of the scholarship. Um, and again, this can go on and on for hours, but those were the situations you fell into. And then when you really looked at it, well, look at Division One AA's. Can they afford to pay players? No, because when you look at Division One AA's, like here in Illinois, look at Illinois State, EIU, Southern – they really rely on enrollment. They really rely on that. Like EIU and your tuition is part of your athletic thing, so you can just show your student ID and go in. Then there's some, I think SIU might be different. I don't know if they can show their student ID. I think they have to buy a ticket. But they rely on students. They rely on all that stuff. And so, and their head coaches aren't making millions of dollars. They're making a hundred grand to maybe three hundred grand. Now that's a lot, but that's not a million dollars. And their assistants are making anywhere from 30000 to 80000 Okay. So you're telling me a school like that could afford to say, okay, we're going to pay these 60 football to 80 football players 1000 a month, and then we got to play the basketball team and women's basketball team and the baseball team that doesn't make money for the school and the softball team and this and that. It, it doesn't seem feasible. Now, the big argument is, well, cut the coaches – salary and you can pay players again that works at alabama and it works at the big time division one programs it doesn't work in those type of programs now the ncaa does divvy out money that they make every year to conferences and then the conferences divvy it out to pay how to run the conference and divvy it out to the schools and you really look at it the money they get from that they couldn't afford to do that either so those are that's just a quick snippet of the big talk about paying players. And I'm all for paying players. But then and then it also came down to well, how much do you pay players? Well, do you pay the quarterback more? Is he an all-American? Does he get paid more? So then we're kind of flirting with, and Coach Leach said this before, we're now starting to flirt with NFL free agency contracts. I think you could take the amateurism off of there and figure this out, or you just leave it up to the school. But then when you just leave it up to the school to pay, well, the school doesn't have the money. They can go off this kind of scholarship. So if you're recruiting against Alabama, and I don't mean to keep bringing up Alabama, um, but if a kid's going, well, I could go to Oklahoma State, but then let's say Alabama had this graduate instead of going to recruiting, they could say, hey, you know, especially with this transfer portal, well, they could go, you know, they could just pay. So if you're, if you're being recruited and you're choosing between to go Oklahoma State and Alabama, and Oklahoma State says, okay, we're going to pay you $1,000 a month, and Alabama says, well, I'm going to pay you $1,800. i am going to pay you $2,000. they are going to go to Alabama. So that's where that all came down to. Well, then, then it, the national, then the name, image, image likeness thing came from the lawsuit for the NCAA game, because 
Now that I understand, you're using their image, you're using that. They're not making money. It's going to EA Sports. It's going to the university. It's not going back to them. So I understand that. So then the NAIL was made in legislation in the government outside the NCAA, and it's allowing the kids to be sponsored essentially and make money. So it's essentially made for like seniors or juniors that have been playing for a while, you know. And so Barstool Sports can come along and say, we want you to be a Barstool Sport athlete. We're going to give you, you know, discount codes to use at our store and you make commission. We're going to make T-shirts with you on it. You're going to make commission off of it. Um, You've got different places in town, like a car dealership can say, be in this commercial and I'll give you $1,000. And then any person that, you know, comes in and buys a car and says, I saw so-and-so on the commercial, we'll give you a percentage of that. Or people could just do, you know, all that type of stuff. And that seems pretty cool for a kid to do. And then on top of it, the school's giving them their scholarships. They're going to school. If they're on scholarship, they get their school. And then this this grocery store can give you, we're going to give you 100 bucks a month. Multiple people can do this. Like, there's just a lot of things that can go on with this NAIO. And it seems pretty cool. So it's like, okay, they can finally get paid. Um, they can finally start doing some of this. Um, now, then Subway doesn't really like it because they just believe in this amateurism. They want to pay players. So their reasoning is a little different. What I worry about is the type of free agency stuff that happens because there's really nothing controlling this. Now, do you really want the NCAA to control it? I don't know. But there's got to be something. And it's going to start slowly. And it's already kind of happening, slowly getting out of control. First of all, they need to put a clamp on this transfer portal. Because here's what's going to start happening. And it's not reported yet. Well, let's take a step back here. I guarantee you for years there have been colleges that pay players and do this sketchy stuff. And some have been caught. There's been documentaries and then some that have not been caught. Well, now it's going to be legal. So this pizza place, that's a big time place, wants to go with a coach and say, if you get that kid to come here, we'll give him X amount of money, you know, or um, they sign rings for their, you know, all that type of stuff. That stuff's been going on for a while, but now it's just going to be in the light because of NAIL. And this transfer portal is going to turn into free agency because a kid can go in the transfer portal and go somewhere else. So here's what's going to start happening that I fear. I'm a person that's at a university. Maybe I don't play enough. You know, or maybe I was a starter for a little bit and then I got replaced. I don't like it. I go in the transfer portal. If I'm still good enough, the school can sit here and say, okay, We have a scholarship. You can come here. But then another school could come in and say, well, I have a scholarship too, but I have this insurance firm that already sponsors the school. They'll give you $10,000. Well, that kid's going. That's where he's going to go. You know, they're going to look at the better deal. And to some people, that sounds really sketchy, but it's NAIL. So there has to be some type of clamp, I think, in recruiting. And this is also the transfer portal is going to slowly hurt recruiting because why go try to convince this 18-year-old kid who you may have to redshirt, or you can go and get this sophomore or junior that's been in there a couple times and been around college football a little bit, just convince them to come. And you're like, I don't have to redshirt them. They're going to play right away, that type of stuff. So is NAIL going to hurt college football? It is and it's not. It is not going to because um, 
because kids can make money. So it's a good thing that um, to kids to make money because we talked about if they're making their coaches millions of dollars and the school millions of dollars, they need to um, make some money as well. They don't just need their scholarship. They don't need this. I'm trying to find the distribution of NCAA money, but they have like different numbers from a couple times. I mean, you just look at um, distribution into the conferences. You know, when they talk about like 2019, you know, Big Ten gets $768 million, SEC $728 million, Pac-12 made $533 million, ACC four hundred like all this stuff. So they make big time money. And then the payout for each one after they do different things. Big Ten, you know, $54 million, SEC $45 million. So Big Ten made the most, which is crazy. So there's just a lot of money thrown around. So it's good because the guys can make money. Um, it's good for businesses because they can advertise a little bit with that player. Um, players can sign things now. It used to be, remember when you signed a ring or a jacket or something, or a guy gave you a tattoo and they looked at that. So, I mean, it's just a good way for the kids to make money. But in the big picture of things, I feel like it could go crazy, like we talked about with Jimbo Fisher and recruiting, where comments are made about, well, now the school can use this money to get these kids and pay these kids or get them some type of sponsorship. Because that's the thing. You get this kid. So now it's trickled down from only helping out the seniors and juniors. Now it's trickling down to recruit. So if you get this really good recruit, so like a Manning and Barstool, or not Barstool because I respect them. Um, I don't know, some insurance firm, some booster that has a business comes along. You get, well, coach, you tell that kid if he comes, he's getting the scholarship, I'm going to buy him a house. He's going to be plastered on the, on the thing and he's going to make a commission or we're going to pay him a stipend or whatever of this amount of money and blah, 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 blah. Well, that recruit's probably going to go because, one, they're 18 years old. Two, if they don't come from a family with money, they're going to follow the money. That's what's going to start happening. So I've said this before. It can hurt college football in that aspect of it's going to hurt schools. Now, your bigger schools are going to get these recruits. So the big-time Big Ten schools and SEC schools and Pac-12 are going to get them. But then the smaller schools in those conferences are going to hurt a little bit. Um, the non-Power 5 conferences are going to have to battle um, with money because what's what's to stop somebody saying, okay, goes up to, uh, you know, any type of school. Let's say they go up to Lincoln Riley and say, okay, this is a really good kid in California. Okay, how about this? We will pay his whole tuition. And we'll give him something each month so that way he can live in an apartment and have food, you know, go out to restaurants, go to a movie. Don't use the scholarship on him. He'll be a walk-on and we'll just write him the check. Take that scholarship and go get a different player that, you know, a player that maybe you could only offer him a partial and he's going to a different school. Well, now you can take that scholarship and go get that kid, you know. So now you could see the walk-on thing. Now, is this big time that I'm talking about? Not yet, but what I'm saying is it could. This could happen. And so now you could look at walk-ons coming in, but be starters. You know what I mean? Because when you're a walk-on, you pay the school anyway. So what's to stop a place from doing that if a if the place has money? What's stopping somebody that is an alum or a booster that has 
$600 million to their name, their kids are taken care of. They've got a nice house and cars. What's to stop them from going back to their place of employment, you know, where they went to school and have this pride and say, I will pay that kid's whole tuition. I will pay his apartment and he will get some stuff for food. And you can take that scholarship and go, you know, I'll do this for two kids. If he does it for two kids and pays the tuition and all that, and let's say he pays $400,000 out of $600 million, take the two scholarships or whatever it is and go get that kid and boost up this. That's what's going to happen. And then it's just going to go back to the transfer portal. You enter the portal. And then you're going to see collusion. What's the... I mean, can a coach go talk to a college kid? Now, if you DM them and send them a message, it's there. I mean, it's going to go against. So it can hurt. It's going to help players to make money. But when this thing happened, it just kind of opened the door to a lot of backdoor deals, a lot of um, interference with things. It's going to come down to um, a lot of, you know, we're going to still have this shadiness going on. So it's slowly turning into free agency. It's slowly turning into, you know, like the G League of NBA, of NFL, which that needs to be the USFL and it needs to be XFL. So to me, there has to be something on this transfer portal and the money being made. Does the NCAA take control of that? Because I kind of don't trust them. I think the only rule needs to be... They can make whatever money they want. Now, I think shadiness will happen no matter what. There probably needs to be a rule of can't offer them anything when they're not recruited. The transfer portal, maybe you can't control that, but then the transfer portal has to have rules. Let's say a kid transfers. They can only transfer one time. Let's just say that. Let's just say when they sign with the school and they get there. They can't leave until maybe their second year and the redshirt year probably shouldn't count. And they have to stay there for two years. And then they enter the transfer portal one time. One time. And maybe there needs to be a clamp on that where you can't talk to a coach and say offer them this money when they're not at the school. And maybe they can't use that. Somehow there has to be legal wording somewhere to make it to where that doesn't happen. Because if you go to the transfer portal... It's not fair to a bigger school that has more money to a school that doesn't that could maybe get him. You know what I mean? So this transfer portal and NAIL is going to be crazy. It's already starting to get there. There's not full 100% reports, but you look at different things and go, hmm, transfer portal is just a problem, number one. It's nice because if coaches can leave, players should be able to leave. I think a coach has to stay for two or three years before they decide to take off. And I think a player has to stay for two or three years before they decide to take off. They have to honor something before they just up and leave for a job, which sucks for a coach because let's say after their first year, they do really well and a bigger time school comes along with more money. It just kind of sucks. But if we want to make it even, because that's what the transfer portal was, was the coach had too much power to tell the player where they could go and not go if they wanted to leave. But then the coach can leave whenever he wanted, which some schools are fine with because now they don't have to pay that guy, blah, blah, blah. So there just has to be some type of clamp on NAIL. So NAIL will help college football and the players to make money, but it's also eventually going to start hurting it because you're going to see these guys go to other schools. You can't tell me, and Nick Saban will go by the rules. Nick Saban going and getting recruits because they have the money. They have the boosters. So now he can sit there and say, hey, we got the money. 
already a good recruiter, and he could be cocky about it. He could come back and say, I'm one of the best recruiters in the world. So you want to give me more weapons of money? Because I already got being best recruiter in the world. I've got the championships. We're in the SEC, so we're playing the best of the best, and you're going to be the best of the best. And I can pay these guys. That's insane. So it is going to hurt overall college football eventually because you're eventually going to start to see free agency stuff happening. You're going to see contracts. You're going to see these businesses come along. You're going to see different things. Say, well, I can offer you this much money each month or this whole overall more than that school. That's the type of stuff that's about to happen. And this NAIL, if it's not controlled, then we're already slowly getting there. So somewhere we've got to get this under control. That's what I have to say about that. Um, So, again, thank you guys so much for watching or listening. Make sure you like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, Wherever you listen to your podcast, follow it, rate it, be a friend, tell a friend. Check out all the affiliates in the description below. Uh, Leave a comment in the comment section down below. What do you guys think? How how is Auburn going to do this year? Is NAIL really going to hurt college football in the long run? You know, comment. Let me know what you guys think. Um, Again, Twitter at Coach underscore Steve72. Follow the Facebook page, you know, all that good stuff. Um, Thank you guys for watching or listening. Thank you guys so much. Check out the weekly episodes. Um, Until next time, this is Coach Steve, another episode of the Coach Steve Show podcast, and we are out of here. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.